0: Hi everyone. I'm Corey. I'm a member of the pastoral team here at Faith. What an incredible season we're in. You know, so many of us are missing family, friends, and so many other things, but you know, God's up to something even in this season. You know, so many people have have contacted us from across the country and even across the world to let let us know that they've been praying for us. You know, we just got an email from Uganda, Watoto. Our friends at Watoto are just letting us know that they wanted to pass along their condolences Let us know that they really care for us. They're praying for us and the people of Nova Scotia. Can you just join me in a word of prayer? God, we just thank you that we can come together today, Father God, and just experience your presence. Lord, there are those among us who are hurting, who are missing loved ones. There are those who need a special touch of your care. Father God, I thank you for being everywhere you are needed today and that we can just reach out and know that you are God, that you've got it. You're walking with us through this season. Jesus, we just pray for your word to uh, come forth today. God, speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits. Help us to just hear clearly what you're saying. God, we just, we want to get out of the way and, and hear from you. God, we love you, and we're believing great things for today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we're on a journey at least here in the Maritimes, oftentimes we find ourselves having to cross a bridge. You know, a bridge is something that gets us from one place to another, closer to our destination, and sometimes those bridges are really short, sometimes they're really long. If you're going to PEI or coming from PEI, you know what the Confederation Bridge looks like. It's going to take some time. And some of the bridges we cross, they're in great shape, they're brand new or they're well-maintained, and others need a bit of repair. Some of them are even being replaced, and some of them, they don't seem like they're really... What they should be. You know, here in the HRM, and maybe where you are too, you know what it's like to cross a bridge in different seasons. And here, you know, we know what it's like to cross in wind and snow and rain and hail and sleet. And that can happen all in the same day. Sometimes, you know, you're, you're stuck in your car or your truck in the midst of this storm and you can feel the wind pushing you around. It feels like the bridge is moving. And yet, you know that your destination is ahead. And for some of us, that's exciting. And for others, if we're completely honest, it's a little scary. Can I just encourage you today, even in what can feel like a, a turbulent time when we can feel a little isolated, or feel like almost we're standing still or just crawling forward, I believe that God is building a bridge for you. You know, God is a great bridge builder and I believe that even now he has a plan for your life that is rich in purpose and opportunities and we're not alone. In Genesis chapters 37 through 50, we encounter the story of a man named Joseph. You know, Joseph was Israel. He was Jacob's son, part of a large family. Joseph was a man who had, Joseph was in a family with a man who had considerable wealth. So Israel had accumulated many flocks and many resources. And of all his brothers, if we're completely honest, Joseph was kind of favored, at least by his father, He'd been gifted by God, like his dad, to have dreams. And in those dreams, uh, he would hear from God. Joseph was a person who wanted to do a good job. He wanted things to be done well. And so his father would send him to and from in different places to keep an eye on things. And sometimes, you know, he was to deliver a message. I'm not sure if where he was in his journey when he was a 17-year-old sent to check on his brothers, but I can say this. One thing he did want to do was tell the truth. So in Genesis chapter 37, verse 7, we hear this. Joseph said to his brothers, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Well, how did they respond with understanding, oh great, you know, this is awesome. You're gonna be above us. You're gonna be directing us. No, his brothers responded with jealousy and in verse eight of chapter 37, they say this, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. You see, Joseph in his travels back and forth, keeping an eye on his brother, being sent from his dad to look around didn't always have good news to report. He wanted to be honest. I can't tell you if in his heart he spoke in love to his brothers or in his heart he spoke the truth in love and concern with his father. But no matter what, if integrity mattered that much to Joseph, he was about to receive a significant test. Well, Joseph had another dream and it had a similar theme and this time he shared it with his entire family and he gets a similar reaction. But his father, he kept it in mind. Shortly thereafter, Joseph was sent again to check in on his brothers, to check in on how things are with the flocks and how his brothers are making out. And when he does, he encounters a group of people that are quite hostile towards him. At this point, some of his brothers are actually thinking of killing him. Now he's another brother and, and who, who says, No, no, just don't kill him. We're not going to kill him. We'll just throw him down this old cistern, like a dry well, a place where water is held. We'll just put him there. And his plan was to go back and rescue Joseph afterwards. But before he could do that, Joseph's other brothers saw some Midianite train, um, traders just coming by, and they thought, Hmm, let's sell him. We won't kill him, but we'll sell him. We'll sell our own brother as a slave. And that's exactly what they did. And they left the impression with his father that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. Talk about a turn of events. Joseph was going out and honoring his father and, you know, doing a service for his father. He did not anticipate, I'm sure, that he, son of a rich man, would now find himself in slavery, and not just in slavery, but taken to the land of Egypt. This is a foreign land to him with foreign customs, a foreign language, and foreign gods. And Joseph now finds himself a slave to Potiphar, a wealthy Egyptian official and the captain of the guard. Well, how does Joseph respond to this integrity test? This test seems pretty harsh. Well, he served. And he served well. He served with integrity, And God's favor, even though he was on captivity, God's favor was upon him. And Potiphar could see that because everything that Joseph did was met with success and blessing. It spoke to him. So Potiphar made Joseph number two in his household. Joseph had reign of the household. He oversaw the people, the processes. With the exception of Potiphar, he had purview. He had overview of that entire um, wealthy estate. So Joseph, for his service, was being rewarded. And within that test, then came another test. Potiphar's wife decides that this young Hebrew slave is fairly attractive. And she makes advances towards him. Now this is Joseph's opportunity here to kind of think, well, I've already got all the, all the uh, authority over these people, this wealth, this home, now I can also have my boss's wife. Well, how does he respond? He responds with integrity. He refused. And he says this to her With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to him day after day, he refused to go to bed with her and he even refused to be with her. So it sounds like he's passed the test, the integrity test. Well, how is he rewarded with another test? He's thrown in jail. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of making advances towards her. Potiphar sides with his wife, thinks he has some circumstantial evidence, in hand, and off to prison, Joseph goes. You know, sometimes it can feel like we can be punished for doing the right things, but my friends, hang in there, because God might be building a bridge that you cannot see. So now what? How does Joseph respond to being thrown into jail for doing what was right? Well, he doesn't respond with anger. Again, he responds with integrity and character. In chapter 39 of Genesis, in verse 21, it says, The Lord was with him. That's Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those in the prison. A prisoner in charge of all the prisoners. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did even in captivity, and that's a whole other level of testing. So Joseph, he continues to serve, he continues to invest, and he continues to care for the men who are in his oversight. And one day, two of Pharaoh's servants find themselves in prison. I don't know if Pharaoh was having a bad day, if he was a little grumpy, but that's Pharaoh's choice. He throws these men into prison. One is a cupbearer, the other a baker. And all things considered, their countenance was fairly good, but one day Joseph encounters them and, and they're discouraged and the, you know their eyes are furrowed, their brows are furrowed. What, what's going on? Joseph cares for these guys. And so they speak to him. They're upset. You know, they've had some dreams and they have no one to interpret them. You know, there are a number of customs, a number of cultures, if you will, across the world where they understand that God can use dreams or they believe that God can use dreams to speak to you. Now, Obviously, as Christians, we've got to test those dreams. We've got to know, are, are those dreams from us? Is it something, you know, we ate? Is it something that we've thought and contemplated in our heart? Is it, is it something that the devil is trying to throw at us? Or is it a message from God? Well, these guys knew enough that dreams could be messages that could speak to and inform their lives. And probably, sitting there in prison, they were open to hear some messages. Is this going to continue? Well, Joseph says to them in chapter 40, verse 8, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. You know, guys, this is faith in action. Here is a man who is in the midst of captivity and he's believing God to interpret dreams for these Egyptian men. And God uses Joseph to interpret interpret those dreams. He gets to deliver some good news. He gets to tell the cupbearer, you know what? You're going to be restored. You're going to be back to where you are, close to Pharaoh, continuing in your job role. And then he has to tell uh, the baker, no, you know what? You are, I- I'm sorry. Here's some bad news. You're going to die. You're going to- Pharaoh's going to execute you. You know, sometimes God has us deliver messages that seem heavy. But if we're an obedient and we trust him and we walk forward in faith and love, he can use our words to, to help people, to prepare them, to make a way. God was doing this here, but God was up to more than that. And Joseph might've known that because he said to the cupbearer, hey, when you are back with Pharaoh, can you just remember me? Can you just remember that I was a Hebrew sold into slavery by family? You know, like it wasn't, and, and found myself in prison unjustly because of a false accusation. Please, when you're a cupbearer back serving Pharaoh, have Pharaoh remember me because Pharaoh had the power to, to, to take um, Joseph back out of prison and, and give, grant him his freedom. Well, time goes by, two years in fact, and then it happens. Pharaoh has two dreams, and these dreams cannot be interpreted by anyone in the kingdom. Uh, none of his magicians, none of his wise men can give him counsel in terms of what, he, what, what these dreams meant. However, these dreams, they really disturbed Pharaoh. They spoke to him, and he wanted, a, he wanted an interpretation. Well, while he's, you know, talking about these dreams and can't find anyone, a quiet, you know, honest, <laughs> probably uh, careful uh, cupbearer cup speaks to Pharaoh Cupbearers were close to the king, drinking and checking to make sure there was no poison. If the king was going to have some food, sometimes kings have enemies. He was there to support the king. This guy kind of quietly says, I know a guy. His name is Joseph. And so Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph gets cleaned up. You know, he comes to the Pharaoh and Pharaoh says to him, hey, you know what? I've had these dreams. I'd like you to interpret them for me. Remember, Pharaoh has has the power to put him in jail, to take him out of jail, to bless him, to destroy him, to kill him. And what does Joseph say? Well, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 16, he says, I can't do it. I cannot do it. But, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but, God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires, faith. Faith. And Joseph listens to Pharaoh's dream. He explains to Pharaoh the meaning of his dream, and he offers him the application. And the application for the dream saves Egypt from famine and even increases its wealth in the midst of famine. And Joseph is made second only to Pharaoh in the entire land of Egypt. And the glory goes to God. But God's not done yet. Do you remember Joseph's brothers? The ones who had sold him into slavery? Well, the famine was large. It was regional. The famine impacted countries that were surrounding Egypt, including where uh, jo- Joseph's family had lived. And so Joseph's brothers eventually come to Egypt, sent by their father to purchase food because it's the only place where people know that they can go and gather the food in the area. Well, it takes a little bit of finagling, but eventually, by (laughs) keeping one of his brothers in jail as leverage, you know, just for a little time, Joseph's able to have like a mini family reunion. He is able to bring his brothers back to Egypt, but they don't know who he is. Joseph has been gone for years. They can't recognize him. He's dressed as an Egyptian, he eats as an Egyptian. I imagine he would be speaking their language. They had no idea that the man they were encountering, who was detaining them and demanding that their entire family come to see him, was their brother. So once they're all together, how does Joseph respond? Does he say, aha, this is my chance. Now I'm going to send my brothers into slavery. Now I'm going to send my brothers into jail. Now they're going to know the hardship that I knew. No. He responds with forgiveness. And in Genesis chapter 45, verse four, it says, Joseph then said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. There'll be no farming but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. After all the hurt, all the isolation, all the hardships and opportunities, Joseph builds a bridge instead of a wall. And God uses Joseph to make a way to build a bridge for those who had betrayed him and for his entire family to be saved from a great famine that lasted for years. Not only did God use Joseph to save his family, but he saved families across Egypt and even families outside in the surrounding areas, a surrounding region, where folks knew that they could come to Egypt to get food. And he even blessed the Egyptian government with income during a time of famine. You know, when people line up with heaven's plans for their lives, great things can happen even in the face of hardship. God builds good bridges, he makes a way, and he receives the glory that he is due. Well, okay, pastor. But what does that have to do with me? And what does that have to do with Jesus? Jesus. Well, like Joseph, Jesus knows what it's like to have a hard day. Jesus knows what it's like experientially. He knows what it's like to have a tough time. The Word became flesh. You see, we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father God, Elohim, per- three persons in one. Uh, God's Word is a person, and his name is Jesus. God's Word condescended, came down to earth, left heaven, came to earth to be one of us. God gave his only Son to come here, and he sends his Holy Spirit. God... Is an amazing bridge builder, but you know, when Jesus was here, he wasn't even recognized and he was even, he even experienced rejection, pain, and suffering. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, it says, But Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, so the three in one, one, one God, three persons in one, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, something to be held on to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus the living word of God left heaven to come to earth to be born in a manger amongst farm animals raised by a tradesperson and his family didn't even always understand him and his neighbors they didn't always appreciate him but he lived a perfect life and he took our blame and he took our sin and he took our guilt and he took our shame on a cross to destroy sin and death. Father, forgive them for they, know, they do not know what they are doing. Jesus did all that to make a way for us to build a bridge. A bridge for us to his holy father. You know, in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, it talks about Jesus being the exact representation of God here on earth. And he brings us as a bridge to the father so that we can be part of a royal family forever. It cost him something. Jesus paid the way for us with his blood, with his scars, with his life, but God builds good bridges. And this one is strong enough to take us forward with him through eternity to a heavenly father to a royal family, to a God who loves and values us, a God that we can trust even through tough times, even through rough waters, and even if we feel confined, we can keep going further and growing deeper and loving more and serving with integrity, seeing incredible things, even miracles. Amen. And because Jesus knows what it's like to be one of us, because he knows what it's like to have a hard day, because he knows what it's like to suffer and and experience temptations, he is a merciful high priest who advocates for us and he has not left us alone. You know, John the Baptist said this of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a big order, but he's a big God. And not only did he say that, he said, you know, I baptize, this is John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, the waters of repentance where people will recognize that you know what in our lives we have messed up that's just truth sure there's been some good things happened the image of god's on us we have messed up and people who are feeling convicted water's a baptism will you know recognize that those things need to be behind them and they need to turn and shoot to god and i'm one of those people we're all one of those people right but he says john says i baptize you with water but when jesus comes when the messiah comes he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire Friends, that's a miracle. That's an absolute miracle that God would make a way for us to be saved from who we are, spend eternity with him, and then deposit it in us to overflow the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit dwelling in man. He has done a good thing. He's built a good bridge. And not only that, but we can be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's something where we can go forward with uh, the divine inside of us and experience and experience his presence and expect for miracles. So, how? How is it that God would allow us to be part of His plans and to build a bridge? Well, I don't know if you've taken any steps forward with Jesus and maybe for you, you're considering taking that first step today and trusting him to be your Lord and your savior. If you are, I'm just going to ask you to hang on just a moment. We're going to pray a prayer in a few minutes, but for those of you who do believe just like Jesus You can be a bridge. We can be a bridge, a bridge to hope and to love and life eternal. You can give someone or some people the opportunity to be part of a royal family where they know that they're valued, where they can be healed, where they can be restored, where they can have purpose, where they can see miracles. Where they can know peace and love like they never even knew existed. How can we be a bridge? Well, in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's talking to his disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and die in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So how can we be a bridge? Well, by remaining in him, in his presence, uh, in his will, by his grace, doing the amazing things that he's called us to do even in this season. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus says to his disciples, Guys, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, the Holy Spirit, right? but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So this is after Jesus is resurrected and he's got plans. He's already told the guys, you're going to go and share the good news. But first he says, don't do anything, do nothing, stay, stop, do nothing until first you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we aren't called to do divine things on our own strength, Instead, we have a divine message that we can share with others with an incredible love and power that only God can give. Acts 1.8 also says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How can we be a bridge? Well, by the same way we're saved, by his grace, through faith and his love, and the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, the enemy might try to tell you, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're no good, you've done this, you've done that. You know what? Through Jesus, we're forgiven. And just like Joseph, it's not about our own strength. So if you feel the enemy saying you can't do it, you just turn him, turn him to the father and say, I don't have to, because God's gonna accomplish his purposes by his power and his spirit. And in obedience, you will overcome and you can expect great things to happen because it's not by our strength or our spirit, or it's by God's Holy Spirit and God does get the job done. He builds great bridges. You know, this is an incredible season and there have been incredible hardships and it's no fun being confined from the people that you love and you just want to reach out and give someone a hug or pray for someone who's going through a tough time or play a game or have some fun or go to one of your favorite restaurants. But I'm telling you that even right now, if you feel like you're in captivity, God has great plans for you, even in this season. Can I just invite you to consider those plans? Just ask him, God, what would you have me do? What would you have us do? Can I invite you to follow those plans and by his grace and his strength and his power and his spirit, see it accomplished? Can I even invite you to expect for great things? If you haven't already invited Jesus to be your savior, to be your Lord, can I just suggest to you today, my friend, is the day. If you are are at all or a little or even a lot off track and you know it and you need his forgiveness, my friends, today, it's the day. If you need someone to forgive you by his power and his grace and his love, my friends, today is the day you can ask for that. Leave the results to him, but ask for that and he'll lead you through it. And if you need to forgive someone who's hurt you, even if it's someone close to you, someone you know well in your family, church family, whatever, by God's grace and power, you can do that today. Today is the day. By God's grace. And if you know someone who needs hope, who needs to know that they can have an eternal future in God, that they can have purpose in God today, that they can expect for miracles... Well, my friends, today is the day. Will you share it with them? By God's grace, by God's love, and by God's power, I pray we will go forward into the amazing things he has for us. My friends, be a bridge. Share the good news. Share the hope. Invite someone to your life group. Invite someone to a service. Send someone a text. Give them a call. Hold a Zoom meeting. Share your story on social media. God is going to show you greater and greater things, even in this incredible season. He is a great bridge builder. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your grace, that God, you have made available through your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. God, that you would send your living word, your your only son, that he would come and, and die for us, that he would live and show us how to live and you would relate to us, God, and you would meet us where we're at in the midst of who we are and everything we've done and all that we need forgiveness for, but God, that you would provide a way, that you would build a bridge, that you would bring hope, that Father God, we could connect to you, not just now, but forever, that we could be part of a royal family because God, you say we matter. You meet us right where we are and you lift us up. Father God, you will uh, bestow great and perfect gifts. So God, if we haven't already, we pray, God, forgive our sin, Lord. Forgive those who've sinned against us, God. Be our Lord. Be our Savior. Walk forward with us, God, So and bring us together in your power by the power of your Holy Spirit, expecting for signs and miracles and wonders. And Lord, for my friends and family, for my for the folks, Father God, that are watching this, Lord, who they are needing a miracle, I thank you, God, for accomplishing that today in Jesus' name. And for those who need healing, I thank you for accomplishing it today in jesus name and father god for those who are hurting father god i know that you're available lord you're close to the brokenhearted god i just thank you for your ministering spirit to make very real your love and your presence and your plan for their lives that god we are not alone in this that we are walking forward together in this and that we are expecting god for you to build bridges to take us places that are incredible we thank you and we give you the glory the praise now and forever in jesus name amen you know friends um we serve a mighty God. And if you prayed that prayer today, you know, if you began that journey with Jesus, hey, stick around, just let us know. You can do that through the faith website or send us a message on Facebook. You know, if, if you recommitted your life to God today and you said, you know what, I was off. I was on a different path, but I'm gonna walk across that bridge with Jesus because I know he's got a great place for me to go. Just let us know. If you've been encouraged today or you've got a miracle story or, or you know that God has done something in your life that you feel uh, by sharing, we could be encouraged. Hey, let us know. You know, God has great plans for you. We're here for you. We are believing for God's best for you. My friends, be blessed.